0: Oh, take fucking two. Hopefully, this goes better than the first time. Xfinity. I hope I. If I could fight you, I would. You suck as a internet provider. Anyway. So, welcome to Unhinging Ourselves, a podcast where we read books with um, unhinged and weird characters. My name is Dominique.
1: And I'm Scott.
0: And this episode is a quick little bonus episode. Well, I don't want to say quick, but it's a bonus episode um, where we will be discussing four short stories from the collection of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I had the idea for this because I really wanted to do a bonus episode for October and I've been eyeing this collection for a while. I bought that back in high school, like right after I like did, we did our Poe section in English class and I was so obsessed. Um, And then I asked Scott if he had ever done Poe in high school and he said he hadn't. And since it's been almost a decade since I've, even thought about Poe, I thought it might be fun to tell each other um two stories each from this great American author, and um yeah, I'm very excited i I might poe my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding on to that shitty little joke for the longest mm-hmm. um, but yeah. <sighs> I wish you would laugh on air because I'm hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. um, What. It feels weird to say all this because I've already asked you this question, but what did you know about Poe before this episode and before I told you for about three minutes about Mm Poe about an hour ago? What did you know about him?
1: Um, Honestly, what cultural
0: osmosis. Did you know about him?
1: Yeah, n- not a lot. I knew because um, <clears throat> he's always ref- referenced in terms of like like very dark subjects or kind of I guess gothic type subjects, mm-hmm. um, you know, in 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 kind of media that I have uh, consumed. And so I kind of knew generally some of the aspects to his work, but that was mm-hmm. really it i knew like some of the names of the famous short stories or poems but mm-hmm. other than that not a lot um yeah really not much
0: okay well i'll give you again and anyone listening a quick little rundown this is just based on the introduction that was included in the beginning of this book um so basically he was born in Virginia I'm pretty sure of course I read it this morning I still already forgot I'd be a great student um he was born in the United States and he's regarded as like the inventor of American gothic uh fiction and so he had a pretty sad childhood. His mom and dad died really young. Apparently his dad was terrible. And I think he left them before he died. And then his mom died of tuberculosis. So him and his sister were shipped off to live with this um, couple who weren't able to have kids. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like there was any like mistreatment. But they just weren't the warmest of people. So he had a pretty sad childhood. And then when he became an adult and got into writing... He was very successful. He wrote a lot of like, he was like a literature critic. He wrote a lot of sto- like, I mean, this collection is a thousand pages long. So he's a very voracious writer. He had tons of short stories, one novel. I think he wrote a play, lots of poems, and then he also did like nonfiction work. Um, so he lived in Baltimore, Philadelphia, and New York and then eventually he returned to Baltimore where he died and I don't know if he's still buried there because I know his body was moved but during his career again he invented American Gothic fiction uh, he was very well regarded the only issue um, just so small is that he was a raging alcoholic. And was addicted to this substance that was basically like opium and morphine combined. And I, I think you drink it. I don't know. You, you A could
1: little jungle juice.
0: Yeah. It was just, it was bad. So he was, um, suffered pretty bad from addiction. Um, and what's worse is when he died, his ex-friend smeared his name and basically implied that the necrophilia and obsession with death and uh, being buried alive and all that other stuff maybe was not completely just inventions of his imagination and maybe he actually dabbled in a couple of those grosser things so i don't know the introduction didn't explain why his ex-friend would do that but it basically sullied his name so badly that he was like forgotten about for like a long time and then sometime in the 20th century he came back into favor and he inspired a lot of people actually like sir arthur conan doyle who wrote how am i blanking on this name again
1: sherlock holmes
0: sherlock holmes author sherlock holmes credits uh Poe as one of his influences and the inventor of the modern detective novel. Or at least modern at that time. So I don't know but it's he died kind of disgraced almost because you know he was an alcoholic and kind of weird and sad and morbid and then right after he died his work got disparaged and then like a hundred years later people were like oh my god this guy's so good. So kind of sucks that that was the trajectory of his career but at least we have his work now to enjoy and learn from and it's so i enjoy it i was obsessed with him when we learned about him in high school um so i'm glad we're revisiting a few of his stories now Mm -hmm. so like i said we both each read two stories and we're kind of just gonna go count for count on the plot so if this is gonna be a like just one big spoiler, so uh, I think Scott's going to go first and tell us about how Pitch Pit and the Pendulum goes.
1: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> so the Pit and the Pendulum, it's I guess um, uh, kind of errors in the time of the Spanish Inquisition, so like around 1500, um, in I guess Spain. I'm assuming. Um, and the main character uh, is on trial and um, is found guilty. Uh, they don't say of what, but he is sentenced to death. And so kind of he's sort of dealing with that. And he wakes up um, after kind of like a fever dream. Is I guess, it a
0: of... first person account or is it told from a third person?
1: So it's a, it's a first person account okay so the narrator Um, is writing the the story right yeah okay and um so he basically wakes up down in this this pitch black pit um and uh assumes at first that he's in a tomb or like a like a coffin but kind of realizes that it's actually really just a cell um he tries to figure out how big the cell is. And while doing that, he kind of like passes out. Um, and he wakes up and then he kind of gets a better idea of how big the cell is. Um, or at least that the cell is square. And then while Mm -hmm. he's kind of figuring out the dimensions, he walks from one side to the other while he's doing that. He, uh, slips on like the floor was slippery or he tripped on his robe or something. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. And, uh, Nearly falls into this big pit in the floor that he didn't know it was there. Um, So a pit inside of the pit he's in, (laughs) and uh, you know he throws something down there to see how deep it is, and figures out pretty quickly that if he had fallen into it, then he certainly would have died. Um, (laughs) So he kind of escaped death there, Um, but he kind of figures out how big the room is, and then uh, he finds some. How big is the room?
0: Like size of the jail cell.
1: no it's a fairly big room, okay um I think he said it's like twenty five steps okay, inside, so like, like from one side to ish, the other, maybe so it's like a hundred steps from like all the way around because it's a big okay. square um anyway so it's it's a fairly big room
0: but it's it's dark there's no light yeah right it's okay.
1: like pitch black so you can't see anything basically and um but he kind of stumbles upon a thing of water and and bread I think um that was left for him and he eats and drinks that and then he <laughs> passes out cuz of course it was drugged and um
0: Did he have any like thoughts when he finds his food or is he just like thank god I'm hungry?
1: I think that's basically what it is. It oh was, my God. he didn't really like, <laughs> oh they might have poisoned this. Um yeah. Anyways, so he passes out and he wakes up and he is like strapped to this table thing on his back and he's like looking up at the ceiling and the room's lighter now so you can actually see a little bit like there's like candles or something in there or something oh my god but so he can see a little bit now and mm-hmm. he's looking up at the ceiling and it's like a mural or something of father time Okay. And, um,
0: so an old man
1: yeah, I assume I don't know. It might be a famous mural that I'm just not aware of, but okay. Anyways, so he's looking up at the ceiling. He sees this mural, and um, from the ceiling, there's hanging a big kind of uh, pendulum that he sees. That you know, he initially thinks is like you know, like the minute or the second hand thing on a like a grandfather clock. Mm-hmm. But as he's looking at it, he realizes that it's like actually like this really sharp, like razor sharp blade. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of just like looking up at the ceiling and he starts to realize that the ceiling's actually slowly dropping toward him. So the pendulum, which is directly over top of him, is just swinging back and forth and he's just looking up at this thing as it's kind of descending on him. <laughs> and so he he very quickly realizes cuz he's strapped down to this table that um that eventually the pendulum will reach him and, you know, I like cut him in half or whatever like um, cut
0: him in half like hot dog or hamburger
1: Uh so it describes it as the blade is going like directly across his heart
0: Okay but so hamburger horizontally <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah so um but yeah so <laughs> anyways so that's uh so he sees this and he's kind of dealing with it and kind of eventually comes to the conclusion that like you know he's going to die and he's just kind of mentally dealing with that as this thing slowly does he have any like
0: those like i like the montage of like i wish i had done this or like Mm. or is it just kind of like damn guess i'm gonna die
1: yeah i think it's more that and just more like (laughs) like what was me kind of thing you know Mm um but no it's not like recalling like his memories or anything like that so okay um but, so, like, as the blade gets very close to him, like a you know like a foot or something above him, and it's it's dropping like very, very slowly, like mm-hmm. you know like a millimeter a minute or something, like super slow, so it's taking hours for this thing to finally get close to him, okay, and as it's slowly getting closer, and he can kind of start feeling like the the wind off of it, and he's hearing like the hissing of it going through the air and everything, oh my God um. There's, like, meat that they left for him, like, in his arm's reach, which I assume is, like, up by his head. I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. But, so there were, like, rats in the room. And he, like, okay. used the meat and, like, smeared it all over, like, the leather straps that were, like, strapping him down. Like, the ones he could reach or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, around his arms. And the rats were, like, chewing on it and eating the meat or whatever. Uh huh. and so as the blade's like very close to actually hitting him um the rats finally like bit through the strap enough that he could free his arm and then free the rest of his whatever's holding him down Does and so he's able to in kind in of
0: indiana just... jones movie
1: yeah basically Wow. Well, oh yeah something like that but it <laughs> wasn't exactly that i think
0: yeah. that was a pit of snakes
1: or a boulder or yeah a spear or anything Uh, it's
0: a common trope anyways so indiana jones moment he's off this uh table
1: so he gets off the table and just barely escapes death again and then the ceiling as soon as he kind of gets out of the way the ceiling just rises all the way back up Uh uh-huh um and so you know he's kind of like okay wow that was that wasn't so good um (laughs) And uh the, he's kind of just like you know sitting there uh, collecting himself, and he realizes that it's starting to get like slowly brighter in the room and um he starts kind of like like he's like pressed up against the wall and he starts to like, yeah. oh, this wall is like metal, not stone and um and he starts to realize like that the the walls are getting hot, and so the the walls are all getting hotter, and then he also kind of starts to realize that they're they're pinching inward um <laughs> in the shape of like a diamond like it's a yeah. square room so it's kind of becoming a diamond but it's basically pushing him toward the pit in the middle of the room he's in on uh-huh. um, which now that the room's brighter he can very clearly see um and so he's kind of slowly getting pushed from these hot walls um toward this pit so it's like obvious that you know the walls are going to push him into the pit or he's going to like burn on the the wall. Jesus Christ. So, as like the walls get him closer and closer and closer, he kind of like right before he gets pushed in completely mm-hmm. um or has to just jump and he's kind of like, "Okay, well, I I there's nothing Here else to do, so I'd ra- I'd rather just jump in." Um and like right before that happens, he hears like talking or yelling or something, and then the walls all retract somebody like grabs him before he actually like falls into the the pit uh-huh. um and it's like i don't know the french or something somebody rescuing him basically Sick. um so <laughs> it, he kind of gets saved for a for a third time like right at the right before he actually would have would have died mm-hmm. um and that's just how it it ends is basically cool. just he gets rescued yeah. that
0: sounds I think I remember reading that maybe in high school. Um, I don't know. I that might have been fun to read. Kind of Jill, you got to do that one, but that was the one you insisted on doing. So.
1: Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> I, I, I knew about that one because there's in one of the Saw movies. I don't know which movie, but at one point somebody gets killed by a big. Pendulum blade thing that's descended from the are ceiling. Are they
0: also um, hamburger style sliced in half, yeah, or is it hot yeah, dog? But
1: they are in the like it across like their belly button, <laughs> and um, they don't escape. So,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's saw. Yeah. So, at least yeah. like this story, I think you get the idea that he's going to escape somehow because it's written by the narrator.
1: Right? Yeah. Unless yeah. It's like after somehow. the fact. Right. Yeah.
0: so that's fun. Good for him. <laughs> Um, I think I was going to go next. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to finish with The Black Cat, but I also read The Fall of the House of Usher, which is kind of prescient because apparently there's a new Netflix series uh, based on the book. Um, I don't know if it's good, but people are calling it like Gothic Succession. So I don't know if you're into Succession. You like creepy stuff. I guess that might be up your alley. Um, but basically – the Fall of the House of Usher is about it. It opens up on this guy. Let me look up his name just to make sure I don't <sighs> screw it up. Ba, 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 ba. Actually, I don't really care about it.
1: So, say I'm not going to remember the names for the second either. one. Okay, anyways. so we
0: have our narrator, and he got this letter from his buddy Usher i also don't remember his name i don't really care i think it's like robert or roger i don't care but his friend's like hey uh (laughs) i'm like really stressed out uh also my sister's sick maybe but there's some there's some trouble brewing in my house and i need you to come um to comfort me i know we haven't spoken in a long time but please come uh please So, our narrator is like, okay, well, I'll go see my old friend, see what's going on with him, because obviously he's not having a good time. So, he shows up, and it's this big mansion, this really old mansion, um, and it's described as the windows are the eyes. So, it's very personified language. So, it's this big, old mansion, and it's the middle of this, like, boggy swamp place. And so there's, it's like describing how the swamp feels creepy and there's like a mist and it's just all very atmospheric um, and the house just seems not like it's doing well. And it's not because he can see when he gets closer to the house that there's a crack starting from the foundation all the way up to the roof. So there's a crack in the house of Usher. He's just like, oh my God, <laughs> Cool. Also, there's mushrooms, and the way they're described are very creepy, too. So you're just like, okay, uh, he's going to go see his friend who he hasn't talked to in years, and potentially his sister is sick, or maybe they're both sick, and it's kind of like the whole, the whole history of the like, House of Usher is bad because basically the family tree is basically just straight down, and it's neither confirmed nor denied by like literature critics that maybe there was a lot of incest in the usher family line and yeah and um the current usher that he's going to go see he has a twin sister and it's also pretty it's even to me almost like this feels Mm." like he doesn't have any kids she doesn't have any kids and they live together and they seem to be oddly close even for twins. So, oh. mm, so we're at the last two in the family line of the House of Usher, and they're too old to have kids. So this is probably the very end. Mm. So he shows up. He's like, Hey bud, how are you doing? And his friend's like, Uh, not too good. Uh, my sister's sick. Uh i'm so glad you're here though like we can like sing songs and read each other's stories and you know it'll be a good time well so he kind of sees the sister she kind of like just shows up and then goes away and then so hang out him and usher and then in the night usher is like up screaming he's like oh my god my sister's dead uh, and it's like making a big racket, he's like, oh, okay. So what? What do we do now that your sister's dead? Um, do you want to like bury her?" He's like, "No, we can't bury her. I'm so terrified that we're gonna bury her alive. We need to put her in the family crypt for at least two weeks so I can make sure that she's dead before mm-hmm. I put her in the ground." And our narrator's like, "Okay, cool. I mean, th- you know, alive burials do happen. That- that's fair. We can do that." So they they put her body into this like metal box thing and then slide her into a wall or keep her in this room, I don't know. So his friend is obviously distraught Usher and to cheer themselves up uh he has him read this kind of like creepy story. I don't know why that why that would cheer you up when your sister's mm-hmm. just died, and you put her into a room in a metal coffin to make sure she's dead? I don't know. But this is what they decide to do. And so, it seems like his friend has cheered up a bit, and so he starts reading the story, and as he reads the story, like, a storm starts coming in, and it just every... Like, the elements outside of the House of Usher match the mood of the inside of the House of Usher, and so he gets to this point in the story where in the story there's a loud clanging sound and when he gets to that port, part they hear a loud clanging sound somewhere in the house
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's like oh my god what could that possibly be and he's like i'm sure it's nothing whatever you know let's just this is an old house it could It make sounds old mm-hmm. houses make loud clanging sounds so they hang out for a while and then they go to bed and then i think there's more clanging sounds and the clanging sounds keep keep getting louder and louder until they go both go investigate and they're just like oh my god what if it's what if it's my sister so they go down to the crypt and they see that the metal box is open and the loud clanging sound was actually her knocking the metal part of the coffin off and then they see what might it it's her but it's very ghost like she just appears and there's like, Oh my God. And then, um, the storm grows and it's just like too scary. So he's like, uh, fuck it. I'm out of here. Good luck with your dead question mark sister. Mm. So he runs out of the house of usher as the storm grows so much that the crack in the foundation, um, starts to widen until the entire house cracks apart kind of in half and then sinks down into the bog. Mm. The end. <laughs> 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 okay. And, of course, like I think with post stories, like it's a lot more creepy when you read it than when you tell it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because what, like, even the first opening scene when he, it's like just describing the house, I was like, oh, atmosphere. So these are these are perfect spooky stories. Um, I actually might check out that Netflix show to see what it's like.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. but yeah that's the fall of the house of usher there's some like english class analysis you can do but you can do that with all the poe stories because he's very um he likes symbols and all of his stuff has like a meaning he doesn't just say random things for no reason so his stuff is fun to analyze but i don't care to analyze it it's cool incestuous twins and a house that cracks apart and falls into a swamp that's all i need
1: Mm -hmm. did did they finish the story in the story or no i
0: think they got to that part and uh then there's like uh Mm. what's the clanging sound Mm -hmm. yeah or maybe they did finish it i read it a couple like two weeks ago so i can't quite
1: Mm. remember Hmm.
0: bam that's good even though i can't remember it (laughs) so what was the other story you read
1: yeah, so the second one I read was the uh, the Cask of Amontillado. I believe. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Um, so this one, it's a kind of a interesting story where it's. Mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna uh, try to pronounce the names because I think they're all like Latin or something. But so there's basically this uh, this rich nobleman guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he finds a fellow nobleman guy who mm-hmm. whose name is like Fortunato, I think. Okay. Like fortune or fortunate yeah. in Latin. Anyways, um, and he's like in a bar and he's kind of drinking. He's like in a jester outfit, and um, so the main character, um, I think his name's Montresor or something like that. Montresor, whatever. They'll call him Monty. So, Yeah, so this Monty guy um, is upset with this other nobleman. And he never says Mm -hmm. why, but he basically has decided he's going to get revenge on this guy for something. And um, so he finds this this other guy, Fortunato, and says that he bought a big cask of um, Amontillado wine. Okay. And he... Wait, is
0: Fortunato the jester dude? Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So um, Monty says, like, you know, I bought this big cask, but I need, I don't know, your palette to help me make sure that it's authentic. Basically,
0: the drunk jester.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who's cool. a, a Good noble? Choice. He's a nobleman friend of his. So even though he's a nobleman, he's for whatever reason like in a jester outfit with like the hat and the bells and everything okay
0: Um, odd choice yeah
1: anyways so um so the guy's like okay yeah i'll i'll do that um and so he says okay well it's down in my uh cellar Mm -hmm. but of course they're both super rich they have these huge houses so it's not just like you know down a flight of stairs it's yeah like huge down in there yeah (laughs) like this big labyrinth and so it's like okay and they're, you know, walking through this damp, um, whatever, this damp cellar thing. Uh, and every once in a while, the Fortunato guy has to stop because he's, like, hacking up a lung. And, uh, and okay. so the Mon- Monty guy, I guess, gives him some, like, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, here, try this wine that mm-hmm. is just, like, there because um, of course it's full of various casks of things. Okay. And uh, you know, get some liquid courage and the guy's like feels rejuvenated and they keep going. <laughs> and they do that a couple you of times. You can tell that I'm... the
0: story is written by an alcoholic.
1: Yeah. And so <laughs> um, you know, they keep going further and further down the cellar and the guy keeps having to stop and drink more wine and and yada yada yada.
0: And me at my friend's house when I haven't brought my own beer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so they finally get like there's at one point, and I couldn't really figure out the point of this. Mm-hmm. But the Fortunato guy mentions that he's like a mason, he makes like the mason symbol or something. I don't know. And uh, well,
0: that could mean that he's because there's like a, it's like the people that actually do like brickwork.
1: No no, 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 no. But he's it like, a, like no, he's no, a Freemason? Yeah, he was a Freemason. Yeah. Why would you mention that? I don't know. Um and Well, he's so, drunk at this point, so right. maybe that's why. And the Monty <laughs> guy is like, I don't know what that is, but I'm pretty sure you're talking about like he like the Fortunato guy says that it's like, you know, like I'm a Mason and the Monty guy pulls out like a, a trowel for like you know, putting down brick and stuff,
0: uh-huh,
1: like clearly showing that he was confusing like Freemason with stonemason or something I mean same. and um and so the the fortunato guy, of course, is drunk and assumes he's like joking, but mm-hmm. anyways, I don't really understand what the point of that was, but whatever, so they go they keep going down further and further and further, and the guy's very drunk, and they finally get to like the end of the catacomb things that they're yeah. in. And there's, like, corpses or, well, I guess, skeletons of, like, past generations of this Monty guy's family.
0: Well, if it's... Okay, so he has his casks and he has them in the catacomb. So he has, like, Mm. his previous family members. I mean, it's not odd for catacombs to exist in old houses. Like, that was a thing. But, like...
1: Right. Yeah, so... They get to,
0: uh, like, the actual corpse, like... Here's oh, yeah, my there's old family a, like, members like part. part.
1: Tons, and is that tons that where the, of bones everywhere.
0: Yeah. Is that where the cask of yeah. the he's the wine he's supposed to taste is?
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Why would you so, okay. So they get
1: all the way to the bottom of the cellar, right? And mm-hmm. he's like, Okay, Fortunato guy, uh, the the cask that I want you to try this like super fancy wine is right through this old door. And <laughs> the drunk guy like wanders in there like, Okay, you know, let's 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 get after it. Cool, whatever. um, I'm already drunk. (laughs) Yeah, and so Monty basically just like quickly like cuffs him or chains him to a to a big rock or something or like to the wall, and uh, so the Fortunato guy is like, "Oh, that's kind of strange to do," (laughs) Um, but he kind of like assumes he's just like playing a joke on him, and then Fortunato like,
0: "I also lock my friends in handcuffs and my family too."
1: and so the the guy for or uh Monty just like you know like walks to the entrance of the room and just starts laying brick and just just you know builds a wall basically and um you know the guy originally thinks he's like joking and he kinda of starts to sober up as this guy's just Oh like, you just. Him. <laughs> and he starts to realize that like oh maybe maybe this guy is not kidding. Okay, um, just to refresh mm-hmm.
0: Um Fortunato and or, Monty doesn't have beef with Fortunato, or does he?
1: He does. It's oh, not okay. Now, why. Okay. It's not disclosed why, but okay. he just like he this whole time it's a revenge scheme. Like okay, he says okay. at one point, I'm not gonna say the Latin because, but it's he he says like like no one provokes me without impunity is what the translation or with is. impunity. Yeah, 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 with impunity. And um and so he says that, and that's, like, I guess the theme of the story is it's just all Jesus revenge Christ. for who knows what.
0: Okay. Anyway, So after he's walled in, what what happens?
1: Yeah, so basically he, uh, the Monty just bricks him in and uh, moves the bones of his family kind of in front of the new wall. Just, like, not really to hide it, but just to make it so it, like, doesn't look that different than every other wall in the Yeah, catacombs,
0: room. bones, yeah. things, yeah
1: and uh and then he leaves and um (laughs) yeah and then he basically he says like it's latin but he says like may he rest in peace and uh yeah that's basically it it. yeah
0: jesus christ
1: that's basically how it ends he just uh yeah and i i think he like acknowledges that That wall has stood for like 50 years. Like, I think he's like recalling the story. His bones
0: are still there.
1: (laughs) That's basically it. So, yeah.
0: Damn. So, did you like it?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was weird. As a
0: non Poe exposed person, like, was it good?
1: Um, I mean, it's. like the actual subject matter is like it's just kind of weird because I mean not like in a bad way it's just well like, I mean yeah it's just it's irregular you're either um, buried
0: alive or you die and come back to life or like you, yeah. you fuck your sister or something yeah. I don't know so you know
1: but I, I like the way he writes um, it's very I think,
0: atmospheric I loved it yeah
1: and um and so that and and like for both the stories I read you get that vibe which I think is really um. Really enjoyable, even if the subject mm-hmm. matter is like totally kind of far fetched and, and <laughs> weird and
0: very morbid and gothic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna bathroom. Ugh. mm <laughs> Okay, ready for my last story? Yeah. Okay, so I just read it this morning, so it's fresh in my mind, even though I'm pretty sure I already forgot the uh, the the first character's name. Teehee. <laughs> I love forgetting things. It's um, the thing I'm best at. Blah, blah, blah. I read The Black Cat, and it's written by the narrator. He's just like, he starts out the story saying, okay, the events that I'm about to tell you might sound fake, but they have haunted me all my life, and all I can really say is that they happened, and I um, feel bad about it, so whatever. (laughs) So, the story is, he was a man, and he was it he he had a he he didn't really he didn't really vibe with people all that much, you know. Like he got along okay, but he didn't really feel like accepted by them or whatever. But he did have this dog. And he, so he was like a total dog person. And then he met his wife who also really liked animals and so they had a little collection. They had a couple birds, um a dog, a little monkey, and then they had this um, black cat that they found one day, and it was it says it was a remarkably big and beautiful black cat, and they named it Pluto. So he immediately grew to love Pluto a lot. Uh, he's just like, yeah, he followed me around all the time. Like he was really affectionate. Like he's such a great cat, you know, like everything you could dream of. It's just very unfortunate that I also struggled with alcoholism to a very bad extent. Like it, it, it plagued me a lot. So unfortunately for me, I had this lovely cat and this lovely wife, but I was consumed with alcoholism and it made me very violent. Mm-hmm. So violent. In fact, that I, Um, I, um, began to strike my wife and even abuse some of the other animals, but I never raised my hand to Pluto. I just couldn't bring myself to raise my hand to Pluto. I was like, okay, okay. But as his life went on, um, his alcoholism got worse and he eventually got really annoyed one day with Pluto following him around. And so he, um, I think the cat ended up tripping him by, you know, how cats do. They, like, wrap around your legs when you're trying to walk somewhere. And so he got really mad. And he took a knife and plucked out Pluto's eye. And, uh, yeah, that was bad. So Pluto carried on until one day he got too far in the way of this narrator's again and he became so enraged that he um uh, he hung the cat from from a noose outside mm-hmm. and so that very night when him and his wife were in bed with the dead cat body hanging from a tree um the entire house had burst into flames. So they wake up, and there's just flames everywhere and they're like, "Oh my god, we have a." Law. So they ran outside and all the neighbors are gathered around. They're like, "Oh my god, how did the fire start?" They're like, "I don't know." So the because, you know, this is the 18 somethings, like once houses catch on fire, they kind of just burn to the ground. Yeah. So the next day when they come to see the ruins, all that's left is the wall in the bedroom that faced the tree where the cat was hanging. And in that standing wall, they can see the outline of a cat hanging from a noose. And he's like, oh, my God, how is this here? And so he hypothesized that someone had come along when the house was burning down, seen the cat hanging from the tree and just thrown it into the fire. Okay. And that's how the outline of the cat with a noose got burned into the wall.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Like he, he thinks that like some like ammonium reacted with the plaster and that it that's how the wall got stained in that shape and I was like, okay, what? uh I guess that's as solid science as anyone. So he kind of just moves on with his life. Um obviously they get a new house somewhere. And one day this black cat shows up. It's completely black again, except that sure it also is missing an eye and it has this white splotch on its chest and he's like okay well this this cat seems really friendly i mean it really likes me i'm gonna bring it home like he finds it in a bar he's like drinking himself to death again Mm -hmm. he's like oh my god i love this cat can i take it home the bartender's like that's not mine i don't know whose it is he's like sweet free cat so he brings the cat home and the cat's really friendly, really likes him. It's kind of like Pluto, like really up in his business 24-7, which is fine. He he was happy with this cat again for a while until he starts noticing that the white splotch on its chest kind of changes shape and keeps morphing over time until in the whiteness comes the shape of a cat hanging from a noose. Or no, the shape of a noose. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: And he's like aghast. He's like, Oh my god, he like freaks out because he's just like, Oh my god, something this is so bad. Like, I don't know what's going on. So at, at one point, he's like really sick of this cat because it keeps reminding him of that dastardly thing he did to Pluto. So one day he goes down into the cellar, mm-hmm. um, and the cat walks down into the cellar with him and trips him. So he like gets he's just enraged. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to just kill you right now. So he has a hatchet in his hand. And his wife had come down the stairs at the same time and was screaming at him to not kill the cat. And she like reached out to protect the cat. And he cuts off her hand. And then he's like, well, since I already cut off your hand and I'm still in a rage, I'm now just going to bash you right in the head. So he kills his wife. And so he's like, it, so he comes out of this few state of rage. He's like, "Oh my god, I killed my wife! What am I supposed to do? I can't drag her body outside because the neighbors will see." I had to think of something else. And he's like, goes through this like all the options that he could do. He's like, "Okay, well, I could suffer in a box and then have the courier come and ship her off somewhere, where I could do like any. I could chop up the body and burn it. And then he's just like, hmm. Actually, there's this false fireplace in this." Cellar right here. I can just wall her up in there. Cool. So he does. He walls up, at, and he like walls her into the wall so she's standing up. So he seals it up, and he's just like, "Cool." Now, where's that damn cat? Where did he get get off to? Must have run away in all the commotion of me burying my wife in the wall. So life goes on. He feels like he's going to get away with this. Like, no. Like, a couple times the police came by to do routine searches or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know. She's just, like, not here or whatever. So, like, it, the publicity dies down of his wife missing and the police stop coming by until one day the police come by, again, ex- unexpectedly. He's just like, okay, well, this has happened before. And, like, nothing happens. So, he starts to get, like, a puffed up chest. He's like, Yeah, so this house is really well built, you know. And the, they're just like, okay. And then they go down to the cellar, and again, he doesn't think he's gonna get caught. And he's just like, Yeah, this this house is built solid, like rock solid. And during his um his grandiosity, he picks up a cane. And he knocks on right on the wall where he had buried his wife. And that is when they hear an inhuman yowling. He's like, What the fuck is happening? He's like, Oh my God. And all, all the police look at each other. It's like, Okay, well, obviously, we have to check out what's behind this wall. What does this man do? So. They break through the wall where obviously they see the decaying body of his wife, and on uh, sitting on the decaying on top of the decaying vertical body on the woman's head is the cat. The end.
1: Nice. So he just like dry snitched on himself on accident. Yeah,
0: pretty much. I think the the cat I it's kind of implied that like the cat. Got itself walled up into the wall mm-hmm. on purpose to like try and expose him. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. Don't get drunk, beat your animals, and then kill your wife and then put her in a wall. I think that's yeah. the moral.
1: It's interesting though, because when did you say this took place?
0: Uh, I mean, he was in the. I think he was in the early 1800s or late 1800s yeah. is when he was writing.
1: So it's like it's interesting, man. Because you would think that like. The regularity at which somebody bonked their wife on the head <laughs> with a hatchet in the 1800s is probably mm-hmm. pretty high. That, yeah, but like, they didn't have
0: a body, and so, you know, like, forensic science is kind of bunk even now, so can no, you imagine? I'm just just... I, I
1: mean, like, like he could have probably just, like, you know, he was, like, worried about the neighbor scene or whatever. You know, I kind
0: right. of thought about that, too, because I'm just like, you're assuming that one of your neighbors came by when your house was burning down and flung your dead cat into the house. So I doubt mm. that they would really care about your wife. Yeah. <laughs> but again, he's kind of an alcoholic. So maybe he wasn't thinking so clearly.
1: Yeah, maybe not. Uh-huh. It's weird.
0: But yeah, that is the black cat.
1: Nice.
0: Yep. I I enjoyed it. I'm glad. um, I think I mentioned earlier, the first time we tried recording this, that um, previous to me reading The Black Cat, I had read two of his essays because they just had interesting titles. And I didn't know that he wrote essays because Mm. I was educated in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) So... He wrote, uh, they're kind of satirical slash funny. Like they're not like his short stories, which are really like moody and broody. Mm -hmm. Um, One essay was called The Premature Burial, which is where he just kind of talks about how like, yeah, it's really common to just bury people alive because, you know, our doctors don't really know about how quiet the body can be when it's not actually dead. So here's all the ways that we do things to not bury people alive although it still happens lol and then i also read (laughs) uh an essay titled diddling considered as one of the exact sciences and it's this funny little essay about like little schemes and ways to scam people that he finds amusing or like particularly good um some of them I would have to like look up what exactly it is because, you know, this is written in the 1800s and some of the terms and like the way things work are nothing like they do now. But the one that is still happens today is <laughs> he's like, OK, so say if there's like a big festival or whatever and it's across the river. This guy could just stand in front of the bridge and say, hey, um, it's like two pennies to get across. And so by the end of the day, you have like a a couple dollars or a couple hundred dollars just because you asked a couple, like everyone crossing the bridge for two pennies. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, we still do that now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, apparently he wrote a lot of little essays and they're actually pretty good. Um, So that's something I learned. That's nice.
1: What what was the, the one you just said about the scams? What was the title of that one?
0: It's called Diddling Considered as One of the Exact Sciences.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And so like diddling is just another word for scamming.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that because that's not what I assumed.
0: Yeah. That's kind of yeah. why I read it because I didn't know that it, he yeah. meant scamming, not.
1: <laughs> diddling children or something.
0: Yeah. No, nothing to do right. with that. It's kind of like piddling, but diddling,
1: okay,
0: I don't know. language changes over time is essentially what you can learn from that
1: mm-hmm.
0: but scamming is forever bam, yeah, okay, so I had fun reading these um and revisiting stuff that I haven't thought about for a decade. Mm-hmm. um did you? Yeah. Because this is your first exposure, like directly,
1: right? Yeah, no, it's they—they they were fun. I mean, because they're—they're short. I guess I don't know if he writes long stuff or how. He long has he one would. novel. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I—I I liked it. Um, they were easy to. Well, they were short reads. Um, yeah. The content was obviously very extreme, but. Mm-hmm i think the way he writes is fantastic and so yeah. it's really nice to read um yeah you, know, you described it as being very atmospheric which i would completely agree with um but yeah no it was it was a uh, it was nice it was a lot it's of it's a fun, nice little october read yeah yeah very fitting for the time of year so yeah no they were they were good
0: well, thanks for reading a couple of stories with me and re- reminding me of what happened in them because um, it's been a long time and they're still fun to read, which is, you know, I'm glad I wasn't annoying in high school. Well, I mean, I was still annoying, but like for good reason. Poe is amazing. So that's all we have for this week. I don't know when I'm going to put this out. I just know I'm going to put it out in October. So I hope you all are keeping warm and safe and that you all have a good halloween don't think mm-hmm. don't drink and drive um go trick-or-treating put out treats for the trick-or-treaters etc cetera, etc
1: cetera. um for, make sure you check your kids candy for oh yeah you know, for all the razors and, and the drugs arms.